My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my... Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Hollywood Godfather, and it's the gruesome threesome here, and <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, Jeannie Je- Je- is pretty. Pat, I don't know about yet. <laughs> and me anyway Jeannie welcome back Pat my compadre and Hi, everybody very interesting show Jeannie you're coming up with these great topics I love it we're gonna go and find out that Utah was once dangerous that's right Tell we us have, about a bit of, have a little bit of sass going here here in town but tell so, us about all right so i live near ogden utah and ogden utah has a very famous street it's called ogden uh, 25th street which was a very very rough street you know we we used to joke about you know oh you know any any crazy stuff going on or any anywhere you didn't want to be walking around alone was 25th street and because it used to be a very dangerous street they had um back back in 2000 or excuse me 2000 in 1917 was when um they did the prohibition and so things got a little dicey so they went underground there's tunnels all along those that 25th street and so nowadays those places are flourishing it's a crazy busy place right now in fact i went to a wedding there um last weekend and I walked down there and as I was going down there I was thinking oh gosh this it's gonna be a little scary I'm gonna be getting out by myself you know it's always been kind of notorious for keep your head on a swivel you know and I got out of my car even now well no I don't get out much Gianni I don't know I obviously it's a sign for me to get out 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 on the town a little more often but I went down there and you just thought there was a parade that place is hopping there were people everywhere there was nothing to be afraid of because the place is very very busy very pleasant um they've got all those old historic buildings they're full of all sorts of different shops they've got bakeries they've got um salons. let me ask you a question though i i'm very much aware of those tunnels where the prostitutes and they traveled underground nobody knew where they were going but right. are they still there they didn't yeah. them up well there's there's still the tunnels down there people have gone down there my son told me tonight that he's been down in the tunnels i don't know where they actually go to there's some of them where you'll go and it goes right up to a cemented wall but oh yeah they probably closed them in though yeah yeah but you can see that there was obviously something going on down there um i'm there well, were prohibition all of, i mean everybody flourished on that that's exactly opium dens uh, prostitutions there was a railroad right at the end of the street is the railroad station so that's at the far end the very west end of the street and then all the way up that street um it goes from wall avenue there's a few streets in between and it goes up to what is washington boulevard and there is the ben loman hotel which was built way back when and these buildings are still there they're absolutely amazing uh the the bars in there have some of the most beautiful old stuff that was built back when when the buildings were built and, and what town is that ogden you said ogden utah uh-huh 
What was going on there during Prohibition? Prohibition, they had the opium dens, they had a lot of drugs, they had a lot of speakeasies going on, places where people could sneak down and, and do the partying, prostitution, all of that oh, stuff. I mean, let about. me say this, what we should clarify for the world, and the only reason I know about it is because of Costello. In the, in the 20s, every city took advantage of Prohibition, I don't care who you were, even the Jack Mormons, as we used to call them. <laughs> exactly. Well, they did you ever hear that well, same Pat? A Jack Mormon? No, first a time. Jack Mormon is a guy who he preaches that he's a Mormon. He's one of the elders of the church, but he's doing he's selling the booze and has the prostitutes. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it. You but, know, there's always yeah, sorry. No, there's no, no. there's always been a joke about that I've heard. I don't deer hunt, so I don't know. But they said you can't take just one Mormon on deer hunting. Because if you do, that one Mormon will drink all the beer. So you have to take a couple of them because they're going to behave themselves in front of each other. <laughs> the, great, the great story I heard of Brigham Young. Brigham Young was Pat, one of the elders of the church. Yeah, I know. I know Brigham Young. But that wasn't his name. People didn't realize that. What he was yelling from the covered wagons, bring them young. Bring oh, them young. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard bring them young and bring them often. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> well, you <laughs> No, no, so, but you know what's so funny? I, I was in the the junket business in many businesses in Vegas, in in the seventies and the eighties, and uh, I got to be the Panos family, a Greek Mormon family, major major elders in the Church of the Latter Day Saints, and we were bringing junkets in. Nick Nitty, who was a relative of Frank Nitty, obviously, we would and Pat wrote about us with what we were doing with the laundering of the money. And then Mike Porter was also in the junket business. So on Sundays to Thursdays, planes were coming in from New York and Chicago and towns all over. And then Thursdays would leave again and bring another whole group. Why am I bringing it up? Bloomington. Country Club and Ranches is which on the 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 border of Utah and Nevada created a big housing development. You're gonna love it. Do you know Bloomington? Did you ever hear of Bloomington? It's a border town in Utah. Yes, yes. You heard of it? Okay. Yeah. They created Pat. You would love this story. I made millions of dollars with it. <laughs> we had a I I had jewelry stores. Russo and Castaldi Jewelers in the 70s in Vegas. And in Maryland Parkway, our jewelry store, Russo and Castaldi, next door was a, a, a you know a rental agency and showroom for Bloomington Country Club and Ranches. So I went in and talked to these Mormon kids. I said, what are you doing? Oh, we're, we're subdivided all this property and we're selling the land lots. I said, really? I said, how's it work? He said, well, you buy the lot. And you have five years to develop it. I said, okay. I said, I have an idea for you. I bring people on a plane every Sunday, Wednesday. How many people? I said, you know, sometimes seven, eight hundred people each trip because different planes come from different areas. I said, I'll do a promotional movie on the plane. And they were taking people from Vegas to Bloomington, right, right across the border. And what we would do if we sold a lot, we'd get, you know, because we had $1,500 in our money 
put into the cage. They had to be a gambler. We got $50 from the casino, $50 from the airlines. So we, we were making money everywhere. Were. And then we would shy lucky the money if you weren't broke. You need 2000 <laughs> we, we had to go. But this, you know why it's so funny? Because no one's ever brought this up until now. Nobody knew what we were doing. We were taking junkets by station wagon from Nevada to Bloomington Country Club and Ranchers. We did this for about a year, year and a half. We get a call from the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, and, and they said, Mr. Russo. I says, yeah. He says, we have to stop our relationship. I said, why? And he took me to their office. Pat, you'll love this. The flags on all the property lots, the flags with the names who owned them, all ended in vowels. <laughs> how, how many Italians in Utah? No, no. They were not from there. They were from Brooklyn and New York and Chicago <laughs> buying the lots because we told them, listen, we'll use your money. Don't worry about it. You buy a lot here. You can retire here. And they did because it meant nothing to them. We got the we got the 1500 We still got charged back for it. We got, I got $100 here, $100 here, plus the $1,500. How could we go wrong? We were selling, we were directing so many people. They asked us, they said, well, you have to give their money back. I said, we ain't giving their money back. I said, what are you talking about? I said, hold it. You didn't say we couldn't sell the land. I said, how are you going to do it? I said, you got to give us a letter defaulting. A lot of these saints, and we'll present it to them. We sent them all letters saying, because of your background, and they found out about you, and it was all vague language, but some of them were criminals. They didn't want it for the 1500 or I'll about the money. We kept all the money. How did it wind up? Nobody ever knew. They closed the thing down. They only sold it in Utah. They never stopped selling. They closed the office in Nevada. <laughs> well, we sold. I mean, I, I had to sell. I bet you I sold. 2,000, 3,000 lots there over two years. Now, put the numbers to that. Did the people who bought them develop the lots? Did they build homes? What did they do? No, they, I'm telling you, they weren't allowed to. We got a, we sent them a letter, being that they weren't residents. They didn't yeah. have the right. And due to your background, we will investigate you. <laughs> they well, so that. heard that. They ran away. <laughs> it was a great scam, and it was really not a scam. I did it legitimately. But then nobody got paid. Well, nobody built the homes there. Yeah, I think I, I think God blessed you with a super fast brain. You know, he, he stricken you with the polio for a while, but your brain is so fast and nope. so you take you you make things happen that people in would the five years I was laying in that bed, I developed I fermented my brain for deals. <laughs> I mean, well, it, was, it was worth it. Look at you now. Oh, yeah. You were 12 no. years old, and they unleashed you on the world. That was it. Man. With the guidance of Mr. Costello, though, that guy was a genius. Yeah, without him. Man. Is that where you learned? I mean, because all of the things that you come up with, all the different businesses you have, and the smarts to make a good opportunity out of pretty much anything that you come across. I, I remember you talking about getting the cake for the movie or renting a yacht. Um, and you you uh, helped with that deal. 
you said somebody needed a yacht, you gave them a price, but you put your little cushion in there as well. And I think well, that, yeah, that was striptease. That was so, a Budweiser yacht for movie striptease. Yeah, I, I make good deals. No, I just made a deal that night. I could talk about. I yeah. just mean, I, I, I don't know how many knew about Campbell's soup a month ago. Campbell's soup that we all know. Campbell's soup just bought a company for two billion. Seven hundred million dollars, and a component, a component, one component of the company was Rayo's sauce. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Well, being that they made that deal, I own the most iconic brand and sauce in the world, Corleone, Fine Italian. Go online; it's there. So, with them doing that, I met with those same people. <laughs> they paid that kind of money for people who had only two restaurants and now they have four. I own a recognized brand next to Mickey Mouse throughout the world called Cordelier. And now what I'm doing, and I'm in the process of doing it right now, my company became eco-friendly. We don't use glass anymore. We only, we only use recycled paper. And everything is grown in southern Sicily, the pasifis from Corleone, the Genco olive oils from Genco Farms. <laughs> I just made a deal. I don't want to mention the store. 4,900 stores starting the second quarter of 2024. My partners are doing what you're doing, Gene, shaking their head. How did you do this one? If they and bought that, that company for $2 billion, my company's worth. I'm, I'm recognized everywhere. Not me, Corleone. Uh, when you and I were speaking about this last week, you said you're innovating something that hasn't been done before, which is not using jars anymore for pasta sauce. Right. What do they come in now? I was just thinking that myself. I'm doing it all recycled materials. It's coming in the plastic, like a, like a, uh, and it's got a two year shelf life. It's vacuum packed, two year shelf life, where I had a one year shelf life. Now I have a two-year shelf life. Plus, what am I saving in shipping? Oh. The glass that I weigh. I mean, I'm saving $4 a case just in shipping. Right. <laughs> no breakage. No more breakage. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't. I didn't open that second bottle. I, I told the kids. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't open that one. I don't cook very often. So I, I did get those um, when when they came out. I did order some, and so I, I opened one. I don't recall which one um, that we used, but I that other one's just sitting there. It's kind of one of those things that you just want to have but not use. So oh, I'll glad. send you. I'll send you them. But when my new products now, I'll be on TV on on, on QVS. No, is it QVS? Yeah, QVS. QVC. 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 I'll be on QVC the second quarter of twenty four. I'll be on every ninety days if I'm successful. With six new products every ninety days. So you're going to have six new products every ninety days. I have seventeen SKUs in the works right now. <laughs> I'm going to sell my company for two billion dollars. <laughs> well, that's okay. fantastic. It's funny that you said that that you're going to away from glass and that because I was listening to a commercial talking about um, laundry detergent. And those big laundry uh, pods. Containers. Yeah. And so now everyone's going, they're talking about 
you know, all the waste and all the plastic and blah, blah, blah. And now they're going to uh, shampoo, or not shampoo, but laundry soap in sheets and getting rid of those. Those big containers, those big jugs. So. Well, those those big, even those pods. Kids are choking on them. Oh yeah. No, see, I'm I do I'm I, I read a lot. I get up, I read. I, that's my whole life. I learned from reading, and it taught me. I taught myself how to read. But the thing is that there is so many ideas out there, but nobody wanted to take the shot. So I called my people in Sicily. They didn't want to buy the equipment. One piece of equipment was one hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars. I said, "I'll buy it and amortize it over the year. I'll do. I'll do. I'm going to give you the order for it, and I'm going to give you the machine." But nobody's done it. It's go go to the market tomorrow morning, and tell me how many sauces are in glass. The whole the whole shelf. Right. It's exactly right. Wow. It's just. It's just why I brought that up because what you're saying. I'm not smart. I'm just taking advantage of what the environment wants or what the people want. That's you're smart. It's both. No, but anyway, you're quick to do the right, the smart stuff, and it and it works out well. So, so back to 25th Street. Um, that back in the day, it was very, very scary, and it was quite boarded up and stuff like that. And like I said, there were. You know, parents didn't want their kids hanging out downtown on 25th Street because there were too many gangs and shootings. And and so there was several different things. But there is um, on one of the buildings down there, which I'm going to get down there over the weekend and get a, a a picture of it so I can put it on our website. That You go you go down there that often? How close it, is it to you? It's close to me. I drive. I work down there um, on once a week. And then I work in, in Salt Ogden, Lake. In Ogden, Utah? Yes. yes. I didn't yes. know that. Did you know that? Yeah. She commutes? <laughs> it's not that, That's not far from me. I'm How's very that? Wait, wait a minute. How close is it? Where do you live? Roy, Utah. Roy, Utah. Oh, I no. thought you lived in Pennsylvania. No, that's me. I, I know that. Oh, you I know that, but I thought she did. No, when I called you the other day, you said... You're calling me from Ogden, Utah. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it's 10 minutes from home. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up knowing. Of I, thought for, I thought all this time you lived in Pennsylvania. No. Well, I'm I'm in Utah. And, and That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know who right. one of my partners was? You'll never believe who I'm going to tell you. I created in Ogden, in Salt Lake, Utah. I created Good Earth, chewable vitamins, chewable vitamins. I did it in 1970. I was on the Merv Griffin show, and every time he saw me, I was chewing on something. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm supplementing my body. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you're supposed to supplement your body every four hours. He said, what are you doing? I said, I made my vitamins. I like nuts. So I made my C's into walnuts. I made this, and I did that. Guess who my partner was? Senator Orrin Hatch. <laughs> I've always wondered. I know you've talked about him, and I always wondered how you knew him. I knew That's him well. I yeah. knew him well. I That's did a lot crazy. of business down there. I, I actually sang in a Playboy club in Salt Lake City. There was one there. Do you believe it? I did a tour from Rhode, from Rochester. I did 14 uh, Playboy clubs. 
in the, in the like 74, 75. And wow. I went to Salt Lake. I said, why did people all Mormons? They were drunk out of their minds. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Well, so I grew up around 25th Street and there was some malls and stuff down there, but it wasn't a place you didn't walk alone down there. But now it's completely different. It's absolutely beautiful. But, you know, there's a, a bakery up top, but I know a lot of them still have those places. Some people keep, you know, use that downstairs as a story. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, as in the way back during Prohibition, there was opium dens and speakeasies and things like that it was a, a that's where all the stuff was happening back in the day well, what I, about the, I, okay i'm sorry about what about the al capone quote oh that's right al capone told it was the deadliest street in the world right that's exactly right that's what that's what was said and there supposedly is a plaque on the site on a building my son told me so i'm going to get down there this weekend i'll post it on our facebook and oh, our, yeah, on our instagram yeah that's wild because you know everything about Costello. Nobody realized when Frank and I, I mean Frank and I, listen to me, Costello, call him Pat Frank. <laughs> Pat, Pat, you know, we're, we're, I'll give you a, it's a working title only. The Sun He Never Had is our third book oh. of Costello and my relationship. And it's crazy when you start reading about this guy and the parallels. And, you know, the whole thing with, like, we talked about Roosevelt and these people. But his father died on my birthday of bronchitis, December 12th. He got in touch with Peter Mass to write his life story December 12th. And then he died in February. Never told him the story. The, Johnny, the, the, the mob, I mean, a prohibition, no matter where you dropped an anchor no matter where you wanted to set up business you made money people wanted oh, to drink but uh from what i understand it really had no urge to to go west uh past chicago i'm mean, not talking about the west coast la you know, all that but uh, uh towns or even b bigger cities salt lake and places like that and other than Vegas, they really never set up shop there. I was asking Jeannie about this before the show started. No one was really running Ogden, Utah. It was a free-for-all. It was wide open. Yeah. It's, it's so dangerous. Yeah. I mean. Exactly what, what they said. Very, very dangerous down there. Because it was wide open. These trucks were coming in. They're getting $100 a case then. Well, and that's right where the railroad, uh, the great big uh, Union Station is right there right. on the corner. No. So the mob had no interest in, in taking advantage of this. I mean, it was well, the the one um, article it's in, in Utah stories the bo the bo the voice of local Utah it said um, with the repeal of prohibition, Twenty Fifth Street saw yet another business opportunity that of organized crime. As railroad passenger traffic was declining, organized crime provided a boost to the economy with licensed money from gambling syndicates and typical mob scene active in places such as New York and Chicago. So they were looking at some ways to make some money around there. They were trying to get some things going. But I don't know of any type of gambling that's ever happened here in Utah. Well, the other thing about it, because I like, knowing we were doing this show, what I, I call different people because, you know, they, the what people don't realize in Vegas, Vegas was controlled 
by every major family in the United States. Every state had a, because like uh, just off the top of my head, St. Louis had the Aladdin Hotel. Chicago had the Stardust. New York had the Sands. And New York and Florida had Caesar's Palace. The Dunes was, I mean, every place in Vegas, that's why it was organized. So that everybody was making money. There was no, nobody settled any arguments in Nevada. So when these people were coming across, and one of my closest friends, you're not going to believe, was Perry Thomas, the head of the Valley Bank from Salt Lake. I mean, his family was so rich, it was ridiculous. He lent Steve Wynn the money to buy the Golden Nugget. Perry Thomas did. Perry, I met Perry Thomas with, this is crazy. When I was going to Vegas the first time, I was really young. I went there in 1959. And when I got off the plane, they said, go to the Las Vegas Country Club. I said, I don't play golf. They said, just go there. I go there. I go to the country club, and they were waiting for me. They take me downstairs to a card room, the locker room, the men's playing. They were all playing cards. Perry Thomas is sitting with them. Mo Dalitz, every major mob guy, they had it all lined up. Chicago was there. I mean, Nick Donoffo from Detroit, they were all there. Perry Thomas gave me, in 1959, I was a bum. He gave me a passbook to his bank. I had a $100,000 credit line. <laughs> I said, I don't need any money. He said, well, this is just a, a welcoming thing. Friends of yours have money in my bank. That was the Valley Bank. It started in Salt Lake. Was like, he a Mormon? Oh, yeah, all Mormon. Oh, my God. Perry Thomas was like God in Salt Lake. That The Thomas family was huge. Have you heard of them, Jeannie? Yeah, I have, but I don't know where. But it was, as soon as you said the name, it was something I recognized. Oh, no, they I, were founders of that, you know. And and they, they lent a lot of money before the teams just came in. They gave the seed money, the small money for the land and the stuff that, see, they were, they were, they were very smart. They would come in and lend you the money for the land. You'd lock up the land and then you'd go to the other places to get the money and then you'd pay them off. So they weren't in gaming. They, you know, they had that gray veil of saying, well, we're not in that, you know. <laughs> well, that's why. And, and it's, it's not a big shock that I don't know a lot. I've gone to Vegas all my life because it's so close. You know, I think it's about five hour drive from here and I've always loved Vegas, but um, I've always had the love going back and forth, but it just surprised me the other day when someone told me that how, how involved the Mormons are with Las Vegas. I, and then you said, yeah, they owned a lot of the properties. Oh my God! I, yeah. I don't know why I was so shocked, but yeah, I, I made a couple of loans just directly for property and, and from from them. In fact, I was just told today by my lawyers they're using my property on Harmon Avenue, Colville Lane, now for the F one races. They're putting bleachers on it. So my lawyers said they want to put bleachers on our property. Go ahead. I mean, I'm a, how much are you going to pay me and do it? You know, Gianni, one of my favorite concerts I've ever been to. I, I was. When I remember you saying that you owned property there, and it's just a big parking lot. Is that right? It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is that where? Um, so one year I went to uh, Route Harvest. Oh, I don't even know. 
Route Harvest 99 or something. I don't know what it was called. The year after where they had the shooting, the guy in the hotel that shot at all the people at, at the concert. Well, no, no, no. That? That, that was at Mandalay Bay. Okay. That, that guy that's was not your parking lot where oh, they no, had no, the no, 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 no. I, I wonder. No, no, that yeah. Mandalay Bay is on the strip. I'm okay. what I did when I bought this land, I bought this land in the 60s. Wow. 1500 an acre. <laughs> What's stupid? Because I had so much cash. And I said, What am I gonna do with this? Buy land. And they, there's there's a law in Nevada at that time. They were they enticed people to buy land. And if you didn't develop anything on it, you didn't pay taxes until you did. So it was a great place to just bury money. Like I own a piece of property on Harmon and Colville Lane and another one, a corner, Harmon and Flamingo Road, which is between Bally's and the Hard Rock. And my kids, and they know better than me, they go on screen, they show the property, they go online. You can look up that address, it's there. But it's all vacant land. There's 23, right. 23 acres of casino land. It's and been there 60 people months. beg you to buy it from you? I don't want to sell it. I'll well, I know, it. but I, that don't mean people don't ask. Well, the good news is this. I broke around for a casino there in 1980. It's in our book. Where I, was, I took the, almost took the drawing down on it. And uh, I did the, the Las Vegas paving. I paid for that myself, 600000 to dig it. Then I was supposed to take the first loan down on it. And fortunately, I didn't. And I would have been doing 20 years right now. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> That land is like insane right now because of the fact, but what I have a gaming license. So my property is even more value because I have a gaming license that I just surrendered. I didn't give it up until I have another. So it's tied to my property because State Street had a gaming license. So if somebody wants to give me a 99 year lease and build on it, I hope you default because then I have those improvements too. So <laughs> it's just sitting there. <laughs> It's crazy. Uh, we're just hitting 30, so you want to go to a commercial journey? Oh, please. Okay. We'll be right back. We know where you live. Remember that. We are pleased to announce the publication of a new book series from Gianni Russo and Patrick Piccarelli entitled The Sixth Family. When the alleged daughter of Marilyn Monroe asks for help, Gianni Russo becomes entangled in a web of lies and violence in the search for the late actress's diary. Soon, he is enmeshed in a mystery that involves a presidential candidate, a disgruntled mafia copo, a retired NYPD detective, and the past of mafia boss Frank Costello. Russo must race against the clock to stop a hostile reorganization of the American Mafia while trying to stay one step ahead of a faceless killer. While listening to this book, skillfully read by Gianni himself, the listener will have to determine what is true and what is fiction. Or as Gianni says before this epic story begins, this book is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. Look out for the second installment of this exciting new series coming in 2023. The Sixth Family. Book One is available now on Amazon.com. All right, we're back from a commercial. Let's not go any further here. <laughs> we are back, and why we're laughing, you'll never know. No, yes. Uh, Moving we on. 
campaign on the air next week. So let me tell you what this quote is said. Al Capone came to Utah. During Prohibition, the the famous Al Capone did step off a train and took a stroll down 25th Street looking for business opportunities. He is quoted as saying, this town is too rough for me. And that was quoted by the Salt Lake Magazine, November 10th, 2017. He probably boarded the next train and left town. Yeah, he probably had a point. You'd have to probably kill half the town to take it over. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And and by the way, I want to I want to uh, just back up and say, I'm sure there was illegal gambling here in Utah. I don't know that they've ever had any legal gambling here in Utah. I'm right. sure you know that's the notorious for the all the speakeasies and stuff back in the day. But I didn't want to misrepresent because I'm sure there was a lot of stuff that. Well, my understanding too that the railroad had a lot to do with the money that they were staying there while they were building these railroads. Right, right, and that's where you know the prostitution and stuff like that. They had to keep keep those guys because they got paid once a month. That's crazy. Yeah, they had all that money. They were like sailors on leave. Well, and it's beautiful down there now. Like I said, I went down there last on a Saturday night for a wedding, and and it was hopping. There were people going around. They have festivals. I have a son who sings, um, and he's gone down there to the festivals. They've got a little amphitheater, so it's a lot a lot different than it was back in the day where you didn't dare walk down those streets. That's for sure. Well, you know, I just read a survey of the top ten city uh, um, states to move. I think Utah's like second or third now. Oh, it probably is because I'll tell you what, you drive down a street here and they're sticking uh, six-story apartment buildings on every inch of everything right now. In fact, they're putting a, a apartments where like the balconies look like they're over the sidewalks next to very, very busy streets, which I don't know why anyone would want to live there, but they are everywhere. They People are... Are coming here like crazy. You could walk to work. That's why. Okay, so where where people are, crime is sure to follow. I don't want to upset Hello. you. Yeah, uh, it's going to happen. I know. How are your police departments and everything? Is it, are they fortified? Or? You know, um, I know I haven't known any major upsets or corruption here, but I keep my nose clean, so. Um, what about what, you, you watch the news? They must tell you on the news if somebody's kidnapped or killed or beat up. Like well, that. there's not there's not a lot of kidnapping. There is, you know, in Salt Lake, we've got a lot of homeless people and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I don't watch a lot of the news, Gianni, because it's a lot of bad news. And, and yeah. so I don't hear much of that stuff because. I'm pretty good at being an ostrich at stuff like that. If I was watching the news, I wouldn't have time to listen to your podcast. There you go. Perfect reason. That's right. So where you are, there's, there's very little crime? Oh, no. I'm sure there's – it's not crazy. I mean, you know, you're hearing of all the places that they're doing those um, – where places are doing those flash robberies and stuff like yeah. that. We don't really? have things like that here. You know, I, knock on wood. I haven't heard of anything like that. You know, Ogden's a very nice town. It's, you know, not crazy and it's not scary down there like it used to be. So I, I I basically, they're, they're law abiding citizens. They're very, uh, is it still the religion, the, the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Yep. The religion. That's why, is still That's why you want to have that. No, no. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, I've always said that um, 
you know, little kids that grow up in church, it doesn't matter what kind of church you go to, but I do think it sets them up with a good basis. It's a foundation, yeah. On, exactly. On, you know, doing right by others and, and you know, don't be liars, don't be cheaters, don't be thieves. And, you know, and like you said, Jack Mormon, as far as that goes, there are just like any other sort of person. I know some of the most wonderful people I've ever known are Mormons. And then I know some Mormons that are jerks, you know, no, you, ever have, you ever hear of the Panos family? They're Greeks. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. My son went to school with uh, Panos. I don't they're know. Very, very good, nice people. Oh, they're wonderful. Brad Panos was a part of one in a couple of businesses. Yeah. The ones I know, and my son played football with, they're a great, great family. Like, and, they're, and they're elders in the church. Yeah, that's mm. wonderful. Mm. It's funny how many ties you have to hear, Gianni. Oh, my how God. Yeah. Company is, do you still have that? Good or chewables? I'm sorry? Do you still have your vitamin company? No, I sold it. I should have never. I said, my, no. You know what my vitamin company is now called? It's what? all over the world. Nature's way. Hello. <laughs> yes, become. Of that's course, that, that's yeah. amazing. Oh, it's one of the biggest uh, vitamin companies in the world. Yeah, Senator Ornatch did the deal. <laughs> that was before he was a senator. Gianni, I, I was thinking of that saying they said seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, whatever that silly thing is. And I thought, <laughs> you've got your hand in everything. I don't know. Is there any. Seems like I do, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I had, I had extra. I had what, discretionary money that I could. That's why I got in the film business. I can go in the film business, so I lose a couple hundred grand. But most people can't afford to do that, you know. Absolutely. So took the shot, and it paid That's off. Incredible, yeah. Well, yeah. folks, uh, we've uh, uncovered dastardly crimes in Ogden, Utah, and we've also solved the crime problem by the end of the show. Oh, well, we did. Uh, Jeannie did. Well, I didn't solve anything, but it, it is nice to see because it is such a historic part of, of Utah. And as, of course, uh, Ogden is that's the main street. You know, if you if anyone moves here and they're trying to find their way around, I'm like, well, you know where 25th Street is. OK, you go here from there, you know, and, yeah, and it's, it's like the the base. Yeah. And it's like Broadway that, in New York. <laughs> exactly. The thing that is amazing um, are those old buildings that are, there's some bars th that were the original bars in those buildings, and they're absolutely beautiful. How old are those buildings? 100, 200 um, years old? Well, they've got to be, it said 1917. I was looking at a book. In fact, I sent a picture of the book to uh, Pat the other day, and I, I was looking at the um, the places before coming for a time, they were all boarded up, but now pretty much everything down there is um, being utilized. Like there was old, old, old hotels and especially those bars, because, you know, if you go in an old bar, I'm sure every town has one where they're absolutely they've just are that old, gorgeous wood and the workmanship. Oh, yeah. You can't even make it. Today, you couldn't even have it. You couldn't afford right. to make it. Well, yeah, and look at the stuff they make now. You know, places aren't made the way they used to back then. Oh, no. Now it's all for Micah. Forget about it. Right. Gianni, have, you, have you ever been to McSorley's Ale House? Who? McSorley's Ale House. Where's that? It's in East Village. It's uh, the uh, the oldest bar in the United States. Wow. 1840-something. Uh, uh, 
it was, uh, I believe it was the early 70s when they first started to allow women in the place. It was, you had to be. I heard about it. Yeah, I heard about it. Had to be to go in there. Anyway, we used to go in there. Uh, sometimes Probably why time. I never went. <laughs> well, uh, now it's a hangout. Any, anybody can go. But when you when you go in there to order a beer, it's the same furnishings, the same everything that was there in 1841. I think it's the same bartender, too, to tell you the truth. This guy is. <laughs> what old, is that? McSorley's. It's, uh, you can look it up online. But when you go in there to order a beer, you get three beers. Wow. Don't ask me why. It's it's a uh, it's just a thing there. You you order a beer, you, you can't specify as to what kind you want. Whatever they got, you got. It's on tap, and they give you three steins at a time. Well, it gets warm up by taking it to the third stein. Who'd want it? Yeah, but you're paying for it. <laughs> That's all no, they care about. Well, yeah. I'm not that, okay. Well, yeah, uh, patient I don't know about all that. But anyway, is, is right down the block. And now that they allow women in there, it's a college hangout. But uh, I mean, Edgar Allan Poe used to hang out in the place. You know, I mean, well, I don't go. I don't like. I don't like poetry. Okay, <laughs> well, he, he didn't do much of that. He wrote <laughs> horror and this. He he's credited with writing the first detective story. You can imagine how long ago that was. Wow. But uh, anyway, hey, we've uh, we've covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, it's been interesting. Thank yeah, you, okay. Jeannie, for two shows. Hey, I, like I told you, I'm, I'm making up for lost time. All those days in the shower when I couldn't get my questions out to you. Now I'm back, back, back in. Okay. I'm glad you put a <laughs> oh, towel yeah, sorry. on. I'm glad you put a clothes on. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I got dressed <laughs> oh, actually, and actually. sat down to get to these questions that have been, you know, this inquiry, inquiry mind has been uh, thinking about all these years. Well, thank well, you. I have a, a chance to air all this. Well, that's right. Go. It's my therapy. All that talk go. I've been needing to get to. Beats I'll come paying up with some other hundred dollars an hour. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, Johnny. Uh, I guess uh, we call it a night. Yes, please. Thank you all, and uh, keep the cards and letters coming in, and come up with some ideas. I mean, look what Jeannie's doing. She's creating the show. She's becoming a producer too. I love it. Yeah. Jeannie. Okay. Have a great weekend, Pat. You Love you. Talk to you soon. I'll, I'll be in touch, Jeannie. Have a good night. All right, Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was that. And I'll be back. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Want to ask us a question for the mailbag? We love hearing from our fans, so submit your questions online at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com or you can give us a call at 646-776-3038 and leave a message. Contact us anytime with your questions about past or future shows, your favorite celebrity or anything you'd like to know and who knows, your question may even make it on the air. Remember to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Hollywood Godfather and at Real Johnny Russo. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review with your podcast provider or your video streaming service. We'll be back next week with another exciting show and who knows who we may have on the show. If you don't want to miss out on an episode, remember to subscribe. Until next time. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood Godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time.
And that was that.